Hello and welcome to Blockchain Gaming World, episode 143. I'm your host, John Jordan, and joining me today, we have Jack O'Holloran from Scale Networks. How's it going, Jack? Going great. Thanks for having me here today. Good, good. We're saying going great because my internet's bad. <laughs> we're going to see how we get on today because we've had a few goes at this. At this at this <laughs> All right. Just, we'll have some fun. Which is sort of ironic because because uh, I was just looking at the Scale Network website and you you say you're the world's fastest blockchain. So, uh... <laughs> well, you know, we didn't say that until Dartmouth said it. Uh, Dartmouth Blockchain did an independent study. They worked with actually with the core teams and developers and did actual on-chain live testing, and they said it. So now now that they said it, we're like, all right, we'll say it too because I think everyone said that and everyone markets a lot of these numbers but they went and uh so if anyone is cares go go read that study there's even a white paper um so that's uh that's why we we raise the flag proudly of fastest now <laughs> there's always a bit of a, a bit of a I mean, the dangerous is the wrong word, but always, uh, you know, it's interesting as marketing statements, you want it to be sort of third party um, testified to, but it's still, I mean, you obviously think there is, um, that's a good thing for you guys to be associated with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's just, we, I think um, we've always been more conservative and not wanting to say things that aren't true and which, you know, and I think some other projects are very similar as well, but it's, it's nice when, uh, you know, it's hard to break through the noise because there are a lot of people that just say things without uh, the proof and evidence. And it's good to have a third party review, especially for gaming. I mean, we're talking about gaming today. Speed, if you're doing any sort of on-chain component to the gameplay, which I think, you know, is a requirement for, you know, to like really have an, a blockchain game. Um, you can't just fake it and, you know, have something, you know, some NFTs minted in a single wallet and let people use a Web2 application that the chain should be interacting and participating and you've got to have fee speed. You've got to have transaction throughput. You have to have, uh, you know, low latency time to finality. So those are important end up being really valuable things for game developers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you, you probably won't remember cause it's a long time ago. I had to, I had to check. So it did have you on the podcast previously when we were just an audio podcast. So in March, 2020 episode 70, um, we, we we did a podcast then, and, and I, have to, I have to admit, maybe embarrassingly, the only thing I remember is elastic side chains. That's 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 that was my takeaway from the uh, from the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and that was, and you know, we were talking about this earlier about how during that period that was the COVID days, and I was just you know I was hiding out in a on a farm like just trying to get you know my internet to work, uh, and yeah, that's but hey, good to good to good to see you. It's always nice to have a a, a face. To the voice, as they say, um, and Absolutely. and you know, hey, it's also fun to be here because that since 2020, Scales made a ton of progress, and it's been a big, ambitious project. And a lot of these, a lot of these things have come together and come to fruition. So excited, excited to talk about what's happened, and as opposed to what yes. is going to happen or what might happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I guess it was sort of funny because back then we didn't really talk. I mean, I don't, I don't know whether you. Uh, gonna, gonna. Uh, I don't know whether you think Scale is an L two. I mean, I'm gonna sort of going to probably uh, show my technical lack of, of knowledge, technical knowledge, here, but definitely back in that stage, we were talking about things like side chains and there were probably things like Loom Network back in the day and and and, and sort of we've moved on since then and, and now sort of L2s are the sort of uh, the sort of the cutting edge really for for where we are in, 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 in sort of running sort of high performance applications on blockchains. Yeah, and I, and I think it's the landscape's growing even more than that. I think it's about horizontal scalability as opposed to just vertical scalability. And, I, and, you know, to unpack that for people, it's yeah. uh, the vertical scaling world is you need to have like a really fast layer on blockchain or you have something like Ethereum and you stack technology on top of it off chain. And 
Horizontal scaling means you're actually adding more resources next to each other and you're trying to pull security around them. So Scale, for example, has 20 different blockchains that all operate with one shared validator set. And hey, guess what? If these all start getting full, there could be a 21st chain and a 22nd and it starts kind of stacking next to each other. And hey, these are also built vertically on top of Ethereum and Ethereum adds a lot of security, but it, 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 you know, and so it's now become a very popular thing. And I think, you know, you go listen to these elastic sidechain comments that we used to make. We don't even call scale a sidechain anymore, but, um, you know, people thought we were a bit nuts because we were the only ones really, uh, and there was a couple others. I mean, Polkadot and Cosmos were also really trying to grow horizontally with lots of chains, but within the Ethereum ecosystem, we were the only ones with this vision. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a good thing when your competitors start, you know, doing what you're doing, especially when you have a head start is my feeling. So I feel validated. <laughs> <laughs> and just to get for me to get my terminology right, you, you wouldn't say or it's, it's wrong to say scale networks is an L2. You, you see a, you are sort of more an L1 within the EVM world. You know, it, it also and that's one of the challenges of scale is it was designed to help. You know, it was designed to be the most efficient scaling mechanism mm. it was designed to solve a problem. It wasn't designed in a group think dynamic to say, let's design under this framework and then everyone go operate in these guidelines and see what you can do. And and we, you know, scales built on Ethereum and it and it applications usually launch tokens on Ethereum and then connect to scale. Mm. And so in a way, we're like a layer two plus. So we've got layer one security. We've got layer one blockchains that have layer two you know, components and layer two functionality and also some layer two security features. So in a way it is a, it's a layer two plus. Um, and, you know, it's got a lot of flexibility. We have some applications that saying, hey, everything's on scale. We're it's a layer one. We have other ones saying, let's, you know, let's build on Ethereum. Let's put our NFTs on Ethereum. Let's put our mm -hmm. core token on Ethereum. And then we're going to connect to scale in a layer two environment. But um, these are, I think the industry is maturing and a lot of these nuances are kind of, People are realizing they don't matter. At the end of the day, can you help developers? Can you provide fast throughput? Can you provide cost-effective transactions? And, can, and are you secure? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always kind of laugh when I'm still trying to get understand what L2s are, and everyone starts to. Well, the next thing's L3s, of course. It's all you, know, you go. Oh, at this point, we sort yeah. of know. Let's just. Let's just you know, it, let's just I, I'll <laughs> tell you. I'll give you like the most simple way to say it is um, to be a like a like dogmatic pure pure layer two. It means you're actually not running, you're not running a blockchain. You're basically mm -hmm. running the software that runs on a blockchain, but you're running it usually like in an Amazon server, AWS or Google Cloud. And what you do at the end of the day is you post the results of those things back to the Ethereum mana every time. Mm -hmm. And so there's always an affiliated cost. You're always going to be, usually it's five to 10 cents a transaction. Sometimes these a pure layer two will have a, like there was a time Arbitrum had a $4 transaction gas fee and Ethereum's was $3 for the same thing because of the congestion on Arbitrum. And, you know, it's uh, it's because they, you know, so you gain security by posting everything back. Whereas scale is not, it's running a consensus in that chain and it's running really fast and it doesn't post everything back because, you know, it just doesn't make sense to you from a cost perspective. And we've had, you know, last month we had 20... 3 million transactions, something like that. I, I can look here in a second. Um, the month just ended. There are 22 million each of the prior months. And imagine if we were spending five or the dApps were spending five or 10 cents per transaction. It just would be, hmm. you know, really, really not feasible.
And yeah, yeah. you find that on the, a lot of these other chains and L2s, it's not feasible. And without like really heavy subsidized grants to the big games to offset the gas fees, there's no way that they would pay for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, and just another sort of data point um, that you've just uh, had your one millionth active wallet as well. So that again, that's, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so, so, you know, go back three years ago, the network hadn't, <laughs> had not launched yet. Yeah. And we had big goals and ambitions. And it was really June 2022, where I think prior to June 2022, there were less than a million transactions total in the network. There were probably less than 10,000 active wallets. And that's just a year and, you know, not even a year and a half ago. Um, we've now had 1.6 million active wallets. So we passed a million and it's, it keeps growing fast. There's been 645,000 active wallets in the last 30 days. 22 last month there were yeah 20 uh 21.4 million uh transactions and yeah we've had 162 million transactions total and since basically since june of 2022 so um there's a lot happening <laughs> it's nice to you know and hey hats off to the developers and the game builders and the you know the people doing growth and you know community growth at our partners they really you know we built you know, our community built and our developers and open source contributors built some really amazing technology. But, you know, the ball's in the hands of the, the game players and the game devs now. And it's awesome to see them be successful. And I guess it's sort of maybe ironic is the wrong word, but I'll say ironic that this this sort of has happened during what we see as the crypto bear, certainly in terms of sort of market yeah. values. But that's sort of under underneath the surface, the sort of currents are moving in a different direction. You know, it's kind of interesting. I, you know, you look at, uh, you go to the DAP radar, you just look at the top chains, the first mm -hmm. view, and it's all stacked ranked by number of DAPs live. Um, and, you know, without calling out any chain in particular, but a lot of these like 90% or 85% of the DAPs have zero active wallets. Mm -hmm. And, and so you see these people that are in the lead that have thousands of DAPs and there's just actually nothing happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and scale and also some other, you know, chains and L2s are really making progress right now in the bear market. And I think mm. at some point people wake up and say, oh, wow, like um, who's actually really producing as opposed to who had the highest token value going into the bear market and everyone kind of got beat up at the same ratio. So, mm. you know, for us, it's just, you know, hey, like put hay in the barn now, deliver. And, you know, maybe people will recognize that later. Um, mm. But uh, it's really all you can do. Yeah. And I think it's definitely from a sort of with a, with a sort of game hat on or, or a sort of entertainment sort of apps hat on. The fascinating thing is, you know, pre, you know crypto cycles always are sort of driven by speculation and, and maybe macro and all that sort of stuff. That's what we've seen at least for the last the last cycle. Whereas this one, at least to me, that it seems the groundwork is that there are a whole bunch of these, whether you call them L2 chains or whatever, and they do have quite a lot of activity on. And, and they now, as in sort of the past, you get a lot of activity on Ethereum, and then it gets to a stage where no one could do anything on Ethereum. <laughs> you know, and the price kept going up because that was, was a speculative thing. Whereas now there's just like lots of stuff happening. The price isn't going up. That's, you know, but at some point you kind of think if people were just doing stuff on these chains, there's no, as you say, very little cost to actually doing that anymore, which has been a, a big problem in the past. Then you, you actually have a sort of, you, you would hope a stronger foundation for people realizing or the community feel realizing that a lot of this stuff is happening now and people are playing games yeah. or, or whatever they're doing this and it's a, yeah you know, yeah a, a, and you broader, know, a broader mass market appeal 
Yeah, totally. totally. And, you know, if you look at like the bear case or the naysayers, devil's advocates view of blockchain gaming, it's blockchain gaming is the games aren't fun. Uh, it's expensive to even to do anything, use transactions. The user experience is difficult. You have to be an engineer to be able to use and play these things. And uh, and it's just slow. Like anything that happens on chain is slow. And like yeah. literally all four of those things have been solved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's and it's just those those criticisms were accurate and fair, but they're not anymore. And you know, there's a lot of smart people who have been working on those problems. And mm. you know, I think kind of this there was blockchain gaming, and then on the other end of the spectrum there was gaming, and and now we're kind of seeing like the blockchain the blockchain games really just look like games and feel like games and act like games and, you know, and have custodial and non-custodial options and serve, you know, both parts of the market. So mm. um, it, and, you know, I think, you know, when these bear market shifts, it's not just because of macro, like to your point, it's like, it's actually things are happening and we're seeing things happen. And, you know, these are the breadcrumbs people piece together and say, Oh, well, you know, like <laughs> promises are being delivered and, and so it's exciting. I'm, mm. I I think gaming is going to be the star of the next you know next phase here. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a bit more some specific titles here. So so actually one of the reasons that I wanted to get back on the podcast was I guess three months ago we've had this sort of game untitled platformer, which is a you know in and of itself as a game, it's, you know it is a platformer, very sort of retro uh, sort of design. It's sort of you know as you'd expect from sort of an indie game, a game that's called Untitled Platformer. It's a, browser game is also a mobile version as well and that's done that's doing sort of really well and that i think for me that was sort of a, a sort of signifier of oh I, I know about scale network and now there's actually a game that you know, i think at one point it's doing like forty thousand sort of active daily active wallets which is you know yeah. in the big sea of things one of the larger games out there so um how has it been on the inside um sort of you know because of the developers have to sign up to you and you see this sort of stuff happening sort of you know Months. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome where, you know, there's so now that five of the top 25 games on the DAP radar ranking mm. uh, are on scale, which is amazing to see. Um, and, you know, for us, we see all of these builders, they come and they start building in the ecosystem, they start contributing, they start testing on testnet, they, um, they, you know, sign various agreements to say, hey, we're committed to build on scale and the foundation does stuff to partner with them and help them and co-market and work together. That's just how it works across all of these chains. And, you know, the, the execution is all decentralized, but there's always people, you know, businesses, people working to help, you know, grow and, and partner together. And so we get to see the early indicators of what's happening. And, um, and uh, you know, you and I had a chat about this before where, you know, these things, it's not a surprise to me because I keep, I've been seeing these people in Testnet. I see these games coming and, and there's a lot more coming. It's exciting. Um, but then you get some real, so like, I don't want to say surprise, but just kind of like, oh, wow, like, like untitled. Um, mm. This guy or the team, they're just brilliant builder, right? And team and, and they're, you know, also building a lot of like Unity SDK stuff, you know, no goal and ambition to be a top game. Just like, hey, I want just mm. wanted to build like a really amazing game and make it really easy to use and play and just wanted to feel to have fun. And it's just like seeing that all of a sudden, just like, boom, the success. And, you know, it was, it was, yeah, that's like, it's awesome to see that. And that's how gaming works. You look at like the indie studios and there's some darlings that come through and everyone, you know, it surprises everybody. And I think Untitled's one of those in, in our space. Mm -hmm. 
just a few other ones as well. So I think another thing that's interesting as, away from the specific title is obviously I look at the blockchain game sector a lot and I sort of, you know, follow, you know, a whole bunch of games and, and you know, none of these were on my radar, which maybe means that my radar is, is, is somewhat wonky or something, but or maybe you're picking up a different sort of developer because you've got your Ether Strike is currently, I think, your biggest game, doing about 170,000 active wallets over the last month. You've got a game, game of Fly, which is a, I think an Indian sort of cricket game, 200,000 uh, every month. Football game five five stars, I think that's how you pronounce it. So it's quite a range of games, and and you know, doing as you say, you know, some some pretty yeah. big numbers for, in a quite a short period of time. I think Ether Strikes only been out fairly recently. So. Yeah, and you know, it's it's the other thing. People are like, well, what is blockchain gaming? And I'm like, yeah. okay, well, you've got Gamify that's got you know over a million downloads on the Google Android Store, and they just mm -hmm. got pushed onto the uh, iOS platform. That's a mobile game. You have uh, Stray Shot just launched their public beta, and it's like unbelievable, uh, you know, first-person shooter, triple-A style battle royale game. And, you know, you download and play, and it has all this, like, woven-in, built-in on-chain activity. It's happening constantly, and there's a whole, you know, Web3 component with Web2 gameplay. And then you have, like, Untitled, which is a casual browser game, right? And so you you cover a lot of these different areas and crypto crusades is this like you know big RPG oh, yeah. iOS game and you know they still I think they're they haven't really pushed marketing yet but it's it's a great game that's on iOS so you just get all these different categories like you do in traditional gaming and blockchain is not this mutually exclusive thing from gaming and blockchain gaming or Web three you know cryptocurrencies mm -hmm. and NFTs they're just they're going to live across the different segments. Um, we don't see it yet in any major way. Like you don't see, you know, you're not on your Nintendo Switch and then like interacting with blockchain yet or, you know, your, you know, your home, you know, systems. But I think that's coming too, but that's going to take a lot of like buy-in from those groups. And I think we're probably still a ways off, but when they start losing market share, they're going to quickly adapt. And have you sort of as a scale, have you sort of, done anything specific to attract those sort of sort of gamers so i often think we sort of often you know, most blockchain sort of you know you kind of you have your DeFi stuff and you you know they sort of have these sort of buckets of, of where you want to be and there's not many a few but not many have really looked at to gaming i don't think specifically but i wonder you know if how you have been running this for you know a number of years you know how do you sort of see, see the market you know is presumably you know scales not done anything specifically for gaming but you seem to be picking up sort of gaming sort of clients or is that something you focus on more or do you want to have sort of a balance or you don't want to sort of be maybe pigeonholed as being you know a gaming blockchain you know i you know the way we look at it we're like we are pigeonholed as a we call them hpds high performance dApps okay, okay. and if you look at scale you play and i say pigeonholed kind of tongue-in-cheek because i think it's a mm. it's going to be a huge growing category the tam's going to be massive for high performance applications or high performance dApps and um and the thing is, scale has chain fees, not gas fees. Okay. And so the unit economics, even if you're using a relayer and you're subsidizing gas fees on another chain, they just can't touch the same the unit economics. It's impossible to the way you're paying for space, you're paying for a compute resource that can run a blockchain up to a certain capacity on scale. And it's just really difficult to compete with that. Um, and so we do, and the speed we talked about earlier, those qualities that come together make them, you know, scale very attractive for even non-games like like Exord has a AI global intelligence, like crowd intelligence platform that uh, to do predictions and, you know, on sentiment and really cool thing that's not gaming. But guess what? They, 
need to process a lot of transactions every day and they need low gas fees. Games that have any on-chain component need to process a lot of transactions. And, and so one, I think we just said, hey, this is our target. We got really focused around high performance dApps and we went after that market and, you know, did a lot of, you know, the blocking and tackling and basics of the fundamentals of product marketing and sales and outreach. And, uh, you know, and then but then a lot of it is success breeds success. And mm. you start, you know, developers talk to developers and this is all open source. So then there's people contributing. There's people, you know, just going on, you know, reading things, testing the code. And they don't even talk to us. And they come to us, hey, we're going to deploy on scale. It's like, OK, great. Well. So, and a lot of times they don't even need our help. You know, it's yeah. all EVM and there's some nuances. So so it's just good to see that kind of flywheel start to operate. And that's how I think you get really scalable growth in a Web3 ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I don't know how much you can say. In terms of, you know, you seeing who's 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 sort of using scale, um, is there anything you can sort of point to in the future or any sort of, sort of um you know, velocity you, you've got in terms of people kind of signed up and, and amount of sort of gaming product coming out? Yeah, I mean, I can say without, you know, I don't like to give like, no. any sort of guidance or advice uh, on, on, you know, scale, just say that for compliance reasons, but okay. you can say, hey, there's just, I mean, there's a huge inflow of applications that are building, hmm. that are getting ready to go live. And all this, you know, a lot of that's public, you can see who's over there in the, the Discord and the chat talking, communicating. But, um, you know, we're excited to, you know, very, not, you know, if we talked three months in, in June, maybe we had one of the top 10 or 15 blockchain games yeah. and two of the top 50. And now we have five of the top 25. And, you know, I'm excited to see these upcoming launches and, you know, just see more and more of those. And, you know, hey, I'd love to see half of the top 20 be on scale. That'd be uh you know, for what I, and it, it really, a lot of it, the sec, the success is going to come down to also how well do these teams execute? You know, mm. we we're giving them, I think a great environment and a platform to execute. And, um, and I think there's some phenomenal builders building on scale, but they've got to deliver, they've got to do their jobs well, and we're going to be there to help them. And, um, but you know, it's, uh, it's all about removing friction, I think is the theme, whether you're a developer building a game and you need to remove friction for the player. If you're a chain, <laughs> Yeah. You need to, or L2, you need to remove friction for the developer so they can actually create a good, a good platform. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then, Hey, you know, you, even in this market, there's people playing every day. I, I was in, I was in Singapore at uh, token 2049. There are 10,000 people there. Mm -hmm. No one, if there's a bear market, people forgot to tell those 10,000 people because they are there and they're more excited. Yeah. Um, then, you know, I went to a conference in the U S a week later and it was like probably 20% <laughs> of the people that were there two years before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, definitely. No, there is definitely that, uh, you, I think you've seen really sort of this year in particular, uh, uh, the, the sentiment with sort of North American and Western markets compared to Asian markets, which, which were maybe Asian markets were sort of lagging a little bit in the sort of in the in, in 2020s. So they, they've got a bit of sort of catch up, but in terms of yeah, certainly on the gaming side, there's sort of, you know, Koreans and the Japanese and some of the regulations around that, the Japanese government doing the being very open and, and setting down laws in comparison to what's going on in the US. <laughs> so, so the exact opposite is, is quite quite stark now, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing a ton of growth in Southeast Asia and India and Pakistan mm -hmm. uh, for scale, for scale. Not, you know, we, we definitely have, we've signed up a lot of partners now in those areas, but also partners in Dubai mm -hmm. and Singapore, 
that where the game developers are and the companies are that are, you know, know that there's just a huge set of people playing and just actively playing and also making a living. And a lot of these people for blockchain gaming or traditional gaming, they're grinding, they're trying to make one to two dollars a day. Mm. And, you know, and then that is a big foundational piece of any game ecosystem and game economics. And then you have other people that come in and say, oh, let me buy that sword that they powered up over the last two weeks and I'll pay 20 bucks for it. And let me buy, you know, now these are NFTs, which is the beauty of blockchain gaming. It's, you know, it's just the traditional business landscape for gaming with grinders and whales and, you know, and mid-market, but it all lives in a much more seamless, trend, uh, frictionless, open, transparent marketplace on blockchain, as opposed to in the, you know, the walled garden of a single marketplace that a game runs. Mm -hmm. And of course, that sort of flow has always been happening in the big MMORPGs from places where time is cheap to time is expensive, but it just happens in the gray markets. So you can't, you know, I, mean, I always kind of think when people get complaining about blockchain and NFTs and all that sort of stuff, and maybe, maybe in the space we sort of over egg sometimes all the sort of the, the benefits it can, it can bring just in terms of it can solve these problems that have bedeviled online games for the last 25 years in the sense of all this gray market trading if that can just put that yeah. on a you know open basis <laughs> i mean that's that's yeah and you you still can capture your royalties right as the publisher yeah. game game company right you don't yeah you don't need to have you can have a 100x larger storefront um without losing any sort of upside <laughs> so so you, you mentioned um so you, you compared scale to something like like a polka dot and and, and cosmos in terms of it, it being this sort of um you know, you're very modular and as far as I can understand it, you have these sort of chains running and if you people want more performance, they just add more chains. So that seems like a, you know, a, 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 to me, my brain is a fairly straightforward approach. Why do you think you're sort of succeeding with stuff like Polkadot um, in particular, which is, you know, a very big sort of project? You don't see, you don't see a lot of stuff on Polkadot. Is that just because it's their chains are more expensive and you sort of reduce this friction by making it very cheap? Is it a cost thing or is... So I is would say... Awesome? We're scale first and foremost. We're we're part of the Ethereum community. We love Ethereum. We're we're at every Ethereum hackathon from you know sponsoring from 2018 through you know all of 2022, and now we've shifted in you know more you know gaming focused events and uh, and Web three focused events, uh, mm -hmm. social side like application, but less. But we love Ethereum. We support Ethereum. There's a rev share like when you use scale. You know, about 15% of the fees Ethereum ends up collecting over time when you look at like all the gas fees needed to run scale and operate scale. And and so, you know, and, you're, and if you're building, guess what? You're building on EVM, but you're also building in this like natively connected ecosystem to Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And that actually matters for developers. And so, you know, hey, maybe there's a couple EVM chains on Polkadot, but it's really tough because you're kind of outside of the you know, the, the family or the community of Ethereum. And we're, you know, we're really a part of that. And I think it's been helpful for us. And we also try to contribute and add back. And, you know, so one, you know, it's like people will talk about like VCR and Betamax and Betamax was a better technology, but VCR won. Well, it's not like specific chains are VCR and Betamax. It's, it's, it's specific uh, smart contract frameworks mm -hmm. and it's EVM. <laughs> EVM yeah. is the winner. And then I think a big piece of that is how closely can you, you know, how, how good can you make your EVM and scale? Most people just fork Gath and it's the same thing. We have this really fast C++ Ethereum. 
but we also have this native connection to Ethereum that, um, you know, is a big differentiator um, across the board. And, you know, it's, it's just tough. If you're not in an Ethereum ecosystem, you've got to really, really build an ecosystem. And optically, I think it seemed like people were doing that well during the bull market. But now during this market, if you kind of go, you know, peel the onion back a little bit, you'll see the actions all in the Ethereum world. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay, so um, to finish up, I mean, uh, everyone everyone likes to hear predictions, and probably no one likes to make predictions because it's a, <laughs> a bit of a mugs game. But um, you know, as someone who's running you know a, a blockchain and, and talking to devs and and and, and you know, seeing your, your your view of the industry, you know, how do you see the next sort of year year going? I mean, obviously, we, we think blockchain is a is a you know a very long term technology, and, and we can't predict exactly when these things are going to take off. But but you know, what, what's your sort of best guess on 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 how we see the next? Six, six months and 12 months. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I think if people, people who knock on blockchain gaming or Web3 products or, you know, Web3 at an, as an application environment, a lot of their critique is, is correct, but not for where we are now. It's, it's a, you know, it's a correct for a prior version of the world. <laughs> and I think we're about to just see, keep seeing these amazing breakouts, um, and, you know, just lots of users. And I think we're going to, we're going to, you know, quietly get to that point during the bear market mm-hmm. where people are like, wow, like there's, you know, 20 million people a day using blockchain applications compared to, you know, 10,000 a day, probably back in 2018. And then, you know, even a year ago, you know, so my, my prediction, I made some predictions a while ago, but I was saying there'd be, you know, an application with a million active users and there'd be over 10 million active users across, you know, the top applications. And that's actually happening now. Um, and, you know, I think I was a year late on that one. <laughs> um, but I, I think the next six months are going to be, you know, I think there's, you know, and hey, who knows what's going to happen with the global macro? Because I do think some of the superpowers of blockchain are the fact that you get, you can bootstrap network effects. People are like, oh, like, I want to be one of the first people to have this NFT or this token. And then other people start playing because then the community is there and the value is there and the marketplace is there. Um, so I do think there'll be a little chicken and egg. But I will tell you, I internally, if you go talk to any core team, everyone's like trying to get in position. It's almost like F1. It's like everyone, the, the race is going to start next in Q1 of next year or Q2. And you've got to go really fast now so you have a good you know start position when the race starts. So everyone's, yeah. everyone's hustling. And, you know, I think... Uh, Hopefully this time it'll be really driven by fundamentals and traction, which Mm. is more sustainable and less volatile. And, you know, and we have less bad actors like we all know who in this Mm. this next phase. No, I think it's it's an echo that it's definitely the case now that we sort of have the the foundational ecosystem to actually sort of support mass market um, product, mass market adoption. You know, when it comes in the products of that stage now, I think where where increasingly at some point something does take off and and he's going to scale and, and and not have you know i guess we had axie infinity which didn't work for, for various other reasons but but we sort of yeah the, the one the one thing i think blockchain sector is very good at is always building and always learning and it's sort of a little bit mm-hmm. you know at you know, some point yeah. at some point that's gonna you know you can't go wrong if that's your attitude you can't go wrong <laughs> you know hey one thing i will say is i think we are going to have a downloadable block uh game that has blockchain back end be a you know i'll say top 10 you know downloadable pc gamer game 
in the next six months. And right. I, the reason why is right now that community really dislikes blockchain. A lot of those you know heavy game players, but the first winner who does this really well, who kind of gets into that market, mm. these people also they like to they like to win. They like to be on leaderboards. But you know what? If you can win and make money, all of a sudden you're you're at home. You know, pretty good gamer gets to be an esports player. You don't just need to get paid only if you're at the top echelon and you're, you're going to be able to get liquidity and like value by playing every day. And if you're good, you're going to want to do it. And when you're good, guess what? You have a bunch of Twitch followers, you have a bunch of, you know, you want to get more people there. And so these people that are fighting it are going to start playing some of these games and say, whoa, this is good. And if I'm one of the early people to shift over, I can accrue a lot of value. And then, you know, there's probably just going to be two, three, four of these that everyone centers around. And then there's going to be like a hundred copycats that won't do well. But I think we're going to have in the next six months, you're going to see like a couple of those and it's going to start cracking some of this like, you know, big wall that the uh, gaming companies have up right now. Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot about these. You sort of pointing out the, edu the education around what people thought NFTs were and what blockchain, what they thought they thought it was, to what it actually yeah. even was then, but certainly what it is now. Yeah, like Stray Shop, for example, our uh, mm -hmm. one of my colleagues, his son's like 23 or 24, and he's got a you know bunch of buddies. They're all gaming together, and you know they've got a big. I'll live in a place in San Francisco, and and they kind of they're like they start playing uh, playing Stray Shot because they're like. Because this kid, his dad asked him, to like, hey, can you and your friends play this? And, you know, they're downloading games and playing. And then they're like, we actually really like this game. It's fun. And, oh, my God, look, we're going to look at all the currency we're winning. And, the, you know, and are these going to be worth something? You know, and so it's like you see that kind of happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the open beta just launched, I think, last weekend. So anybody can go play it now. And it's like I see things like that. I'm like, yep, that's mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> good things in the near horizon for blockchain. <laughs> Good, good. And on that, on, that, on that positive note, uh, okay. thank, you, thank you very much uh, for, your, uh, for your time and, and dealing with my, uh, my dodgy internet. <laughs> so, thanks, <laughs> know, Jack. Hey, John. It was a pleasure. Thank good, you. Good. And uh, thanks to you for watching, listening to the podcast, however you are consuming it. Every episode, we're talking to the people who are helping building out this, this new way of uh, playing games, building games, building communities, all this fantastic stuff. Hope you are enjoying it. Please subscribe and come back next time. See you then. Bye-bye.